0: In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer Help us start something special. This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14 day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. These are the writer files. A tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers, from online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Cal Reed, writer, podcaster, and media file. And each week, we'll discover how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. The best selling author of The Art of Work, A Proven Path to Discovering What You Were Meant to Do, Jeff Goins, stopped by for a marathon return to the Writer Files to cap off 2015. It really is the longest interview I've ever done. His popular blog, GoinsWriter.com, offers free tips on writing and creativity to help writers build an audience, get attention, and learn what it takes to turn pro. In addition to being an entrepreneur, Speaker, consultant, and author of four books, Jeff hosts the Portfolio Life podcast, where he shares ideas to help listeners pursue work that matters and discover their true voice. Join us for this two part interview. In part one of the file, Jeff Goins and I discuss how to think like a professional writer, why you need to be intentional about your next project, the myths of very productive writers, Jeff's systematic workout for effortless writing and why you need to pare down your to-do list. Mr. Jeff Goins, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy uh, schedule to chat with me a little bit about writing and the writing process.
1: You're welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: So for listeners who may not be familiar with your very inspiring story, could you just give us a little bit of uh, background?
1: Yes, I would love to do that. Um, My story is um, I always wanted to be a writer, never called myself a writer. And I was a marketing director at a nonprofit. I was 27 years old. I was having uh, the anticipation of a midlife crisis, meaning my job was pretty good. I've been working for five years, kept getting promoted, kept getting raises, kept wondering if this was all there was to life. And it wasn't bad wasn't great. It, it was probably the scariest place to be stuck, which was in a place of comfort. And I've always been kind of a creative, passionate guy. And so I was wondering, man, is it like, is there really something else out there or am I just, you know, being flaky? So I had a conversation with a friend. He asked me what my dream was. And I had seen enough dreams crash and burn to know that I had to avoid answering that question. And so I said, I don't have a dream. And my friend Paul said, "Uh, really? Because I would have thought that your dream was to be a writer. And I said, well, all right, you're going to make me say it. Okay, Uh, I guess my dream is to someday be a writer. And he just looked at me and he said, Jeff, you don't have to want to be a writer. You are a writer. You just need to write. And the next day at 5 a.m., my alarm clock went off and I got up and pulled out my laptop and just started writing. And I did that every day for a year. And I don't know if he meant to teach me this, but Paul taught me an interesting lesson that activity follows identity. That before you can go do something, I think you have to become someone. You have to, if you want to be a writer, you have to really understand what it means to be a writer. And I know so many writers, this is a controversial thing. People get mad that I say this sometimes. Um, and that's okay. Uh, but I, I think that um, you can spend your life thinking of yourself like an amateur. And I believe that you'll act like an amateur. But if you want to be a pro, you have to start thinking like a pro. Steven Pressfield once told me uh, that you are a writer when you say you are. Screw what everybody else says you are when you say you are. And I know for me, I became a writer when I started calling myself one. And then acting like
0: it—that's a- awesome. So, yeah, and I love Stephen Pressfield as well, and he has a, a very kind of a similar message to your best-selling, newest best-selling book, *The Art of Work*. And um, congratulations on that, by the way.
1: Oh, thanks. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, you—you've hit uh, some bestsellers lists with your latest. You've got this uh, burgeoning audience that's just enormous that you've built over the years, um, by both your blogging and now your podcast. And I think you have a, a a conference, don't you?
1: I think I do too. (laughs) Yeah. We just did a conference this year. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, some of your people came, Sonia Simone, Pamela Wilson, they were there speaking, uh, had a great time. It was good.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations on everything. Um, the podcast is great. I'm, I'm digging the portfolio life as well. Thank you. I know you've written kind of very transparently about you know how you quit your job and and just kind of dug in and, and went for it and became a, a full-time writer and it's just an inspiring story so I do um, recommend uh, that writers kind of seek out your your stuff so where can we find more of your writing out there
1: my blog is goinswriter.com and that's sort of the hub for all things and um, yeah and then you know I, I published publish. On medium and, and do other things elsewhere. But that's really the the home base and have an email newsletter and try to do all those internet marketing things.
0: Awesome. So what are you working on now?
1: I am working on not moving on to the next thing, which is typically what I do. And I've learned that, um, books have a long shelf life, uh, part of the, the pun, I guess. Um, they they endure. It's what I love about writing a, a book but also what my flaky, passionate side uh, struggles with the most which is halfway through whatever book I'm working on I get an idea for another thing and uh, it's way more fun to start something than finish something for me but it's not as rewarding and so I kind of muscle through to finish the next book and as soon as the book is over I'm ready to work on the next book and I have an idea for that uh, but I'm I'm being very intentional because I put so much into the art of work. And in many ways it felt like the culmination of what I'd been trying to say for three or four years. And so I really want to honor that. You know, you write a book, comes out, it's like new to you for like a week because you spent a year thinking about it and <laughs> maybe even, you know, writing it. Um, and so by the time it comes out, that, that idea to you is, you know, two years old. And so after like the first week, maybe a month, You're on to the next thing. But the reality is the audience isn't, you know, they're still going, oh, this is new. I need to get that. Like, remember that, that new book that came out, Becoming Steve Jobs? Um, I still haven't read that book and it still feels very new to me. And it came out the same week my book came out. And uh, I, when I think about that book, I go, oh, I got to get around to reading that. I'll probably read that by the end of the year, next year sometime. And it'll still be new to me then. And, but for me, The Art of Work feels like this old book. You know, I'm like, oh, nobody cares about that anymore. Need to move on to the next thing, right? And there's a core group of fans, there's a core group of readers, I think, that are that are on track with you, that are pretty close to like, okay, what are you gonna do next? And um and that's cool. And 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 I'm thinking of, you know, things that we can do with the audience to even engage them in the writing of the next book. But there's a much larger group of people out there that need this book that simply haven't heard about it yet. So uh, I am being really intentional about continuing to beat that drum for the next two years, really. Uh, my friend Tim Grawl, who's a you know genius marketer and a, an appreciator of books and helped launch many New York Times bestselling books by people like Dan Pink and the Heath Brothers, and that's what he told me to do. He said, look, like if you want to sell X amount of copies, um, you got to keep talking about this. Like It's your job to keep talking about this book if you want it to reach that many people. And so the next thing for me is to stick with this thing, to keep talking about the art of work, keep finding ways to not to bore people, but to make sure that they don't miss this book just because I think it's so important. And, you know, there'll be future books and, you know, more big ideas, hopefully. But this, I mean, this is the thing that I'm, I'm really focusing on right now.
0: Very nice. Very nice. So, Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories, wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to Patreon.com/slash/TheWriterFiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, Writers Happy Hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Let's talk a little bit about just your productivity as a writer, um, kind of when you're entrenched in a, in a project like your latest, how much time per day would you say you're kind of like reading or doing research f- for that project?
1: I don't like the word productivity as it relates to writing, uh, mostly because I don't feel like I have any. And um, and it's not like some sort of endearing, self-deprecating thing. Like I had somebody tweet at me the other day and they said, what's something that you wish people knew about you that they, don't? they probably don't? And I was like, wow, what, what's something I could say? Like how much I love my son or how good my homemade guacamole is. And I was like, no, what I really wish people knew was how much of a mess I am. Like, um, we we did this thing one time, Kelton. Yeah, I had, to, I had to take a picture of my desk. <laughs> right. Oh my god! <laughs> Thank you for the shame. <laughs> no. There were there were maracas. <laughs> there were, there were there were all kinds of papers on there. Uh, there was like a dead rat. <laughs> I mean, it was just pathetic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we have, you know, we, we get these ideas, you know, of somebody that we perceive to be successful or something and we go, oh, they must have it more together than I do. When maybe like 99 out of a hundred things they have are essentially the same uh, as you have, but there's like this one thing that they have dialed in. And I remember reading a, a blog post by Tim Ferriss where he essentially admitted that like, look, I'm incredibly unproductive. I'm lazy. Here are all the bad habits that I have. But, um, when I do something, you know ten percent of the time, I like I nail it and and that's the thing. Like like do when, when you're when you're showing up to do your work, do your work. So uh, that's a long, lawyerly caveat <laughs> to this answer, I guess. Um, when I'm working on a book, um, when I'm doing the writing, whether I'm working on a book or not, I try to write five hundred words a day, and that'll take anywhere from thirty minutes to uh, an hour. And sometimes it takes less than that. And so if it takes less than that, I write my 500 words and and then I maybe work on something else. Um, And then, you know, I, um, and then I move on with the rest of my day. And uh, for me, because I run a business and, you know, we do a lot of online marketing, um, but I also write these books and prepare speeches and, you know, do these other things. I I I don't write all day long. I have lots of other things that I'm doing, and I will do things that you know are creative and in our a form of you know writing, editing a blog post or something. But the writing, the, the like the really creative stuff, tends to happen if it happens at the beginning of the day, or, or sometimes at the very end. Um, but I try to get up and write 500 words before I do anything else. I learned that from Pressfield. Hmm. And when I'm working on a book, the most I will spend on it is maybe three or four hours a day. There are these. Days where I I have deep writing days, uh, often Mondays and Fridays, where I'll write two, three, sometimes probably two or three hours, maybe four hours, and get really deep into something. And that's probably more for editing than writing, because it's. I feel like it's easy to, um, you know, throw stuff against the wall. It's hard to turn it into a meal. You know, it's hard to turn it into something that. Is is gonna is gonna work? That was my spaghetti analogy because you throw spaghetti against the wall to see if it <laughs> sticks.
0: You do, you not, yeah.
1: <laughs> I could throw stuff against the wall all day long, but <laughs> to make a meal takes a little bit more concentration. Yeah, I have, to, I have to follow a recipe. Yeah, but really, to me, like it's like I, fr- I wrote my first book with a full time job, 500 words a day, 30 minutes a day. It took me three months, and there you go. It's a plotting effort for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you, when you crack your knuckles to kind of sit down and, and get into it first thing, are you, do you have any pregame rituals? Do you uh, drink a pot of coffee? Do you?
1: Yeah. You know, so my wife, um, before we had a kid, she used to, uh, she was a part of this women's group. she get together this group of ladies uh, every Thursday from like 6.30 to like 9. That was, that was when I wrote my first book. I dreamed of writing a book. I had a day job, and so I, w- I wrote a little bit in the mornings. But I wanted this like time of deep writing, and um, so I'd have this uh, I'd have this big window of time where I was like, "Man, if I could write thirty in thirty minutes, you know, in the morning from five to five thirty, or you know, six thirty to seven, right before I you know got on with the rest of my day, um, if I could do five hundred words, what could I do with like three three and a half hours? That's incredible." Um, so I would, I read all these things about rituals and the, the mysticism of the muse. And so I would um, get a French press pot of coffee going and turn on some mood music, turn the lights down, light some candles, um, uh, make mm-hmm. a little me- make a little meal, uh, make some more coffee, read a little bit to get into the spirit, open my computer, check Twitter just so that wouldn't be bothering me while, while I write, check email just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, just kind of pop in on Facebook to see what's going on there., uh, make another pot of coffee and and then I would sit and stare at the screen. And no joke. I mean, I did this like three, four times, and like I would just like I'd be screwing around and then I'd look at the clock and it'd be like eight forty five. And I'd go, oh my God, my wife's like coming home. You know she's gonna she's gonna be here. and I haven't done anything. And every time I would rush, to finish, finish those words. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I remember one time I wrote like 1,500 words in like 20 minutes <laughs> right before she came. And I was like, oh, maybe more time isn't better and maybe these rituals aren't what I need. Maybe what I need is a deadline. And I don't disparage rituals. I think they're fine. I think there are situations where I can be more creative or less creative. But really at the end of the day, it's like to me it's like saying you do pre-game rituals to go lift weights. I mean, like, should you stretch a little bit? Sure, you know, like, but your job is like the hardest part is not to learn the stretches. The hardest part is to, you know, get up every day, and go to the gym, <laughs> and then and then once you get there, you're gonna figure it out. Uh, I love a, 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 a I guess a story uh, advice I heard Seth Godin give one time where he's like, if you want to work out, don't set a don't set a goal to work out. Set a goal to go to the gym every day and take a shower, and. And you go there, you take a shower, you get in that habit, and then and then you realize, well, while I'm here, you know, I'm, I had you know I've got 15 minutes, I might as well work out before I take the shower, you know, and and the next time you you, you could get a little bit get up a little bit earlier because you're in this habit. No, I got 20 minutes now, I could lift some weights, go for a run, and 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 the hard part is not how many weights am I going to lift or how often am I going to do this or how buff am I going to get or how much weight am I going to lose? It's um, how do I get to the gym in the first place? And that's always the bigger question for me is how do I just get to the keyboard, close down Facebook, close on this thing and just write? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that would be a more inter- interesting response to your question <laughs> then. No, not really. I don't have any rituals.
0: All right, well, well put either way.
1: Sometimes I pray, sometimes I um you know, I, I'll, I'll sort of outline what I'm going to write. I mean, there's, there's, you know, some practical prep things that I do, but for me, most of the, cause I did it and most of it was stalling. The yeah. Coffee is essential, of course, but, um, all these things that I did to sort of get into the spirit, like I would do that and then I would go, oh my gosh, I just spent two hours doing that and I didn't <laughs> even realize it.
0: Right. So definitely. So, uh, just, Circling back a little bit to the to kind of setting the mood, do, do you put on headphones, do you like music, or do you prefer silence?
1: I do like music. I listen to, um, I like routine. Um, so I try to do the same thing, same way, every time, um, just because it puts you into a mindset. I, I believe in that. I mean, I believe in r- routine. I believe in just not having to think about it. I remember when I started training for my first half marathon, it was so hard to get into that uh, regimen. And then one day I remember getting up, putting on my shoes, going for a run, running five miles, coming back, writing 500 words, um, uh, taking a shower, eating breakfast. And it was like 7am and I was like, who is this productive person? I do not know him. And it was just because like one thing triggered, the next thing triggered the next thing. And I, I'd done that every day, you know, I did it five days a week for months, six months. And, um, and I, caught, I wrote a blog post once about this called The Secret to Effortless Writing. And it was basically that, like things become effortless when they become habits, where you don't have to think about it. And it's not like it doesn't hurt, you know, it's not like it's not hard to run five miles or I'm not sweating or it's not that it, you know, it isn't a challenge sometimes to, you know, write a blog post or any of that stuff. It was just the hardest part is starting. And once you get into that habit, it becomes easier and easier. Uh, I listen to Spotify. They have a channel. I mean, this has basically been my go-to is they have a channel on Spotify called Focus. And I just listened to one of those um, sub-channels. And it's just, it's all instrumental words, you know, um, confuse me. <laughs> hmm. yeah. So not having words just so that I can just write to the music, I think is um, is really good. I, I wrote I wrote an entire book just listening to The Last of the Mohicans soundtrack on repeat. Oh, yeah. That's uh, a good just, one. Which is a killer soundtrack, super inspiring. Uh, yeah, but, but I just... Like I would, I would literally sit at the computer. I go, what should I listen to? And I was like, this is stupid. Just listen to the same thing over and over and over again. So you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: definitely. So, um, I know this is something that you've talked about a lot in your own work, but do you believe in writer's block?
1: I believe that sometimes you can feel stuck. I do not believe that writer's block is a condition that prohibits you from writing I think the best way to work through writer's block is to write. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that, I'm making all these analogies about the gym as if I go there all the time. I, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I talk about working out uh, like writing because they're both difficult for me and I wish I did them more than, than I currently do. Um, but, like, I think about that and I go, well, I can make all these excuses about why I don't go to the gym. I've got, I've got you know, weightlifter's block. And, um, like, I just think creativity is a muscle and I think the less you use it, like the harder it is. And the more you use it, the stronger you get, the easier it is. And so, um, are there times when it's hard? Yeah, I, th- I think so. But, um, I don't, I don't think it's that hard to write. I think that we get in our own way when we, when we wear more than one hat at the same time. For instance, I don't edit while I write. We all hear this. Don't edit while you write, blah, blah, blah. But really, like, I just write. And, and the way that I can do that is I have times of writing, I have times of editing, and I have times of publishing. These are all different uh, blocks of time that I use in an hour of writing time. I call this, this is this is actually a thing that I do uh, in spite of not feeling very productive. I have this thing called the three-bucket system. Bucket one is come up with ideas throughout the day, put it in an Evernote file. Bucket two is get up at, you know, 5, 6, 7 a.m., whenever uh, (laughs) depending on when my son went to bed, if he got up in the middle of the night or not, really, Hmm. um, write for an hour, uh, and, um, take one of those ideas out of the idea bucket and draft it, just turn it into draft form, which for me is a 500 to 1500 word piece that could be a blog post or a section for a book. Just kind of depends what the, you know, the time of year and the work, you know, work that I'm doing is. And then, um, Take a, another draft that I've edited on a previous day and edit that and get it ready to publish. I think when we feel blocked, we're either what Anne Lamott calls empty, like you just legitimately haven't, you know, filled your bucket, yeah. and you need to go take a nap or, you know, um, uh, eat a meal or go for a walk or whatever, or you're trying to do more than one thing and and you're afraid. But I I recently heard an artist who's a writer and speaker and um, pretty well known artist say, yeah, like, if, if you feel stuck, I'd, you know, just go for a walk. I understand that. I don't get it. Because um, writing, for me, is a job. It's, I have that that sort of blue-collar ethos. It's not to say that, like, throughout the day, I take breaks. You know, every 90 minutes, I go do something. You know, I mean, I think, wh- I've seen the science about that, about interrupting your day to, you know, do things that create these little breaks that, that get you energized. Like, I'm all about that. But this idea that, like, I got to sit down and do my job and, Oh, I can't do it. So I'm going to go on vacation. Um, I just, I, I, I I respect it. I, I do not relate to it. And I think for me, writing is work. And, um, if your job is hard, you get better, you muscle through it, uh, or you quit. Like that's, that's the thing. Like I love my job and I like doing it. And, um, some days are easier than others, just like some days at the gym are, are easier than others. Um, but it's, it's just about, for me, getting up and doing it and building that muscle. I don't think of it as like, the muse isn't showing up today. I go, if this is hard, why is it hard? Typically for me, it's hard because I haven't been doing the work.
0: That's a good uh, segue into workflow a little bit. Are you still a Mac guy?
1: Still a Mac guy. I just got the iPhone 6S Plus. I was um, intimidated by the size, but I was trying to compensate for something. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I got it last night and I was like, oh man, I already love this. People are like, you're going to have to get used to the size. And I'm like, no, it's great. I love it. Um, Yeah, still a Mac guy. I've got a MacBook Pro iPhone 6S Plus. The reason I got that is because I do a lot of writing on my phone, Hmm. blog posts and stuff. I use... I take a lot of notes. I use a, a tool called Drafts. Drafts, D R A F T S. Mm-hmm. Um, it was coming out of my mouth, funny, so I wanted to make sure I was enunciating. <laughs> <laughs> and and you can kick stuff over from Drafts over to um, Evernote. So I use I use those in sync with each other, and I also use Byword on that. I, I write and read a lot on the phone, and then I, I now have a an, um, a Thunderbolt display that I'm from in my office. So I have a laptop. I you know take into my office and then sometimes plug in the display. For what I don't know. I thought I would use it a lot more than I did. But I have an external keyboard and mouse and stuff that it's mm. a nice little setup.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Sometimes just getting over to the bigger format screen helps at least my head for like editing or when you're kind of going back and forth between a couple of different projects. Yeah, yeah. So um, it sounds like, well... I guess I didn't. I didn't ask you this specifically, but you did cover a little bit. But what do you have? Any other go-to software? Are you a Microsoft Word guy, or do you do no.
1: Scrivener? I, w- I would give that a hell no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I use Scrivener for long-form writing. I use Byword. I tried to do all my blogging in Scrivener. My friend Michael Hyatt does that. It's just too robust for me. It it messes. I love being able to organize a book in Scrivener versus Pages um, or or Microsoft Word. Because you can just even drag and drop stuff. Honestly, to me, it's that, setting the daily word counts. um, uh, What else does Scrivener do? Like a million things. It's incredible. Hmm. Um, Research, just having everything compiled in one document where I can drag stuff around and easily navigate it. I love that for a book. I feel like it's overkill for a a blog post. But People have all kinds of systems for that. I'm too lazy to learn them. I just open up ByWord. I write it in uh, Markdown. Uh, and then I just, you know, I export it to my blog, drop a picture in there. So that's how I do my blogging in ByWord. I write books in Scrivener. I take notes and drafts.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're pretty organized. Um,
1: well that's, I've got you fooled.
0: (laughs) For someone who claims to not be organized. Um, it sounds like you've got all kinds of hacks going there.
1: All those are attempts to make me feel more in control of a process that feels very, um, out of control for me. It is interesting. Like, uh, I meet with a therapist and, and he tells me, um, uh, he goes, you are somebody who tends towards order. You just don't know how to create it for yourself, <laughs> which I mean, there's, it's an interesting thing. I think, um, uh, as an artist, I would think of myself as, as an artist. Um, uh, there is sort of this, like artists tend to be messy people. And, and I think there's some truth to that stereotype, but it's like the art is so neat you know, like my blog and my books, like I want them designed a certain way. I want them to be perfect. Uh, And in some ways it's like the perfection of the creation is me trying to compensate for all of the chaos in my life that I can't control.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, do you have any um, best practices for beating that kind of dreaded procrastination or are you an artist who just kind of leans into it? Because it sounds like you lean into it a little bit.
1: I lean into it. There's, I mean, I think the trick is to like not try to do too many things. You know, um, I, I think the secret to the writing life is discipline and grace, discipline to do the things that you don't feel like you want to do. Just do them anyway. Uh, and then grace when you don't do them. Um, my friend James Clear says, you know, never miss twice, you know, the whole Jerry Seinfeld productivity hack. Don't break the chain. Just, you know, decide to do one thing every day put an X on the calendar when you do it and try to get as many X's as you can on the calendar. I am like, uh, I'm a perfectionist with a lot of imperfectionism in his life. And, um, and so I'm constantly feeling the shame of, oh, I didn't do this or I didn't do it enough or, you know, whatever. When I don't have a, when I don't have a book that I'm working on, I just get really lazy about stuff. So I, I, you know, I like having a book to work on, um, because it just forces me to do something, um, and, and and the blog when I first started was that, but now it's it's not it's not this challenge to like reach an audience or this challenge to you know put my work out there every day. It's this thing that I also have to you know maintain. Uh, not trying to be audacious with my schedule, but trying to be simple and practical. And uh, once a week, uh, I have one big thing I want to accomplish that week that is going to move the needle. And then once a day is you know a, a smaller version of that one big thing. And I had been doing this for a while. I read this book by Gary Keller called The One Thing and they talk about that. And I thought that was a pretty good um, elucidation uh, of that um, process of pick the thing that matters the most and then just optimize for that. The the reality is I do more than one thing every day, but I just have like one big to-do list on my on my uh, schedule every day and and try to do that thing first so that in a way everything feels like gravy. It feels like I've Mm. exceeded my goals for the day. And either I'm really, really, really lazy and have low goals and no ambition, which there's probably some truth to that, Um, or this process forces you to cut out all the non-essential crap and just really, like what really matters? Well, what really matters right now is that I make those edits that I've been procrastinating making to my proposal, so I can give it back to my agent, so that we can try to sell this next book. Um, that's really what matters—not checking my email 18 times, or you know, <laughs> having catch-up phone calls with it. Like those things matter, and those people matter, but it's not the one thing. Like it's the thing that can, you know, sort of suffer, at, you know, at the benefit of uh, the greater thing.
0: Yeah. So how does Jeff Goins unplug at the end of a? A long day, a hard day.
1: I love this question because I'm getting quite good at this. <laughs> um, I used to take my laptop home. I used to um, come home, have dinner, um, and then you know go back to work. Uh, you know, on, on the couch, as as many people do. I have a three year old son. I have a wife who likes to see me. Um, I don't. I don't really do that anymore. There are times when I do that, and there are seasons of busyness. But my it used to be my default used to be, you know, all this interview is going a little bit long and I still got to write for today. So I'll do that tonight. Um, I don't really do that anymore. I can fall into that. You know, um, I was, um, uh, setting up my new iPhone last night and I was like geeking out on things. And like, I opened my email and saw this thing and it led to this other thing. And 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I'm doing all this work. Eh, I'm going to go to bed. Uh, but for the most part, I finish my work at five o'clock at night. I drive home, uh, usually make dinner for my family hang out with my son uh, we play lightsabers uh, any version of Star Wars or The Avengers is kind of our jam these days. <laughs> we play hang out as a family you know sometimes we'll watch a movie or you know go do something but we spend time together as a family we put my son down for bed every night uh, spend some time with my wife talking um, sometimes squeeze in a workout at night. And, uh, you know, and then go, go to bed. I'm really big on eight hours of sleep these days. Uh, I, I listened to, I think it was something on like NPR or something. I'm just going to say that because it makes me sound smart. Hmm. But I heard somebody talk about the, um, the discipline of leisure and why leisure is not, <clears throat> we think of leisure as an excess of free time. In reality, leisure is an important part of um, being a whole person. And, and they even talked about like the spirituality of leisure and things like Sabbath and all kinds of interesting stuff. Um, I like that better than talking about rest because rest to me feels like laziness. Leisure to me feels like um, – just, it's just the words. It's, you know, uh, it's just the nuances of the word I guess. But leisure is me intention because I'm a high activity guy. I can't just like sit on the couch. So I need to be doing something. But leisure is me putting my full focused attention on something else. So when I take my son for a walk and I leave my iPhone behind and we're walking around the block for an hour because we love going for walks, like I'm full, fully focused. When I'm at my best, to be fair, you know, I'm human and, and fail at this sometimes. But, you know, it's becoming more and more normal for me. And the other night I was, I was just sort of sitting on the couch talking to my wife and I realized two things. One, I haven't picked up my laptop and worked at night in weeks, it seems, like once, and I've been doing this pretty consistently for, you know, the greater part of a year, uh, and two, the more important part is I haven't wanted to. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, if that's your, your style, great. But for me, um, unplugging for me is really just plugging into something else. It's plugging into my family and giving them the same focused attention or at least attempting to do at the end of the day, which can sometimes be hard when you're tired. I mean, I'm doing all the, I did a a day's worth of interviews today and I've been standing at my standing desk the whole time. Um, So I'll be, I'll be tired, you know, but giving them, you know, the best that I possibly have to offer at that time, instead of just giving them my leftovers, which took me years to learn, frankly, but um, it's what they deserve. And, it's just, you know, it's, it's more fun than just sort of unplugging, so to speak.
0: Thanks for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. A quick reminder that the Writer Files podcast will be taking the last week of the year off, but we will return with new guests in January. Season three writer interviews include Emma Donahue, bestselling author and Golden Globe-nominated screenwriter of Room, Adam Skolnick, award-winning journalist and author of One Breath, New York Times bestselling author and New Yorker columnist, Maria Konnikova, horror writer, Jonathan Jans, selling thriller writer, uh, Mark Dawson, and celebrity poet, Tyler Knott Gregson, to name just a few. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave me a rating or a review to help other writers to find us. And for more episodes, or just to leave a comment or a question, simply drop by writerfiles.fm. You can always chat with me on Twitter, at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you soon.